0: Oh my god. I can't believe it. I'm a father! I did it! My boys can swim! I can do it!
1: it. Welcome back to What You Will Learn. My name is Adam Ashton and And my boys can swim.
0: Your boys can swim. That's it. Your boys can swim. Ash show. Congrats, mate. My name's Adam Jones. I haven't really tested Don't the know. boys out yet, but I'm sure. I'm hoping they're good swimmers. That's right. Because eventually, everyone swims to the to the promised land one day and meets that final egg, and then comes out in, uh, out of a mother, and then you enter this earth. That's right. So this book's what to expect when you're expecting Ash show. Who's the author? That's it? right.
1: Heidi uh, Murkoff, I think. Hides. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have kids. Uh, not everybody has kids. Not everybody wants to have kids. Not everybody can have kids. But if you're not thinking about having kids anytime soon, this app's probably not for you. Uh, but if you are thinking about having kids at some point in the future, this is probably a must
0: read. Well, it's super relevant for a good majority of people at a very specific time in their life. That's right. So, that's whether right. you want to just skip now and go to a different <laughs> app, that's fine. Um, and just remember it's here when it, and come back that's to right. it. Yeah. Or listen to it now and sort of have yeah. some pretty cool ideas in the back of your mind.
1: I suppose the first thing's first is, are you pregnant? That's how the book starts off is, you know, maybe you're... Uh, this didn't happen to me personally, but maybe your period's a day overdue. Maybe it's three weeks overdue. Maybe you're not even due yet, but you just got this uh, this feeling in your gut, literally, that something is, is cooking in there. And you might just feel like maybe this is... Maybe so baby it's happened, ruined, you know? A baby you.
0: Yeah. And how did it happen for you, Ash, Joe? Like, how'd you... Yeah, like... I'd say it was... Uh, I'd say there was probably four cycles... Uh, which is, I think, reason, that? for like monthly having a crack at it until oh, it happened. Oh, sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then when it actually happened, like, miss her period, and then uh, I think it was
1: just a, she was just a big, a big tester, just loved doing a piss on a stick, pissing uh, on the stick and just, technique. And yeah. one, one day the the extra line popped up or whatever's whatever's meant to happen. But generally, that's kind of the. The uh, there's a few you know early signs. They say urinary frequency increases. Maybe a little bit of nausea. Maybe a bit of smell sensitivity. Something just random might set you off. Uh, rising body temperature. Obviously, missed period is probably a pretty good sign. I think some of these things are um, pretty subjective. Mm. Uh, and sometimes, if you pay too much attention to these signs and these tests and things, you could make assumptions that aren't true and can make things worse. But uh, yep. I think if you realize, what's a urinary frequency? if you Oh, shit, I pissed a couple of times extra today. Oh, if it's I was a bit female, to... I'd,
0: I'd feel like I'd be pregnant all the time. <laughs> You're a big I'm high a, urinary frequency. I'm a high U, U, UFT man, you know. <laughs> so, the home pregnancy test is easy as 1, 2p and you can do it in the privacy, in the comfort of your own bathroom. Um, and these tests are uh, pretty quick. They're pretty accurate and you can start pretty early and they promise about 60 to 75% accuracy. So, pretty good there, Show four to five days before your expected period.
1: That's right. And then if you wait an extra week and you wait until around when your period is expected to hit, they reckon it's 98% plus chance of
0: being correct, mm. which is pretty high. That's huge, man. It's pretty um, impressive technology. Compared to what very. You, back in the day, you just... I feel like that's better than
1: COVID rat tests were. That's for sure, yeah? Way, <laughs> that's <laughs> that's right, super mate. high. Yeah, it's much if better. you want to go even higher, you can go a blood test and that's going to give you almost 100% um, certainty. But... Uh, You probably don't want to get a blood test every single month just to test it out. You probably start with the piss on a stick and then later on get the blood test to confirm it.
0: That's it. So, for some people, the home pregnancy test, the very start before the period is is positive but a few days later, they take another and it's a negative and you think what the hell is going on Um, and then you get your period. Uh, So, unfortunately, Sans, what you've gone through is actually a chemical pregnancy and this happens a lot, doesn't it?
1: Surprisingly, Yeah. Um, so this is when the egg is fertilized, but for whatever reason, it doesn't complete its implantation. So there are whatever uh, hormones are triggered because the egg gets fertilized. And when you do your wee on the stick, it says, yep, there's a fertilized egg in here. But then a couple of days later, it might realize that, okay, it didn't actually land where it's meant to land. And uh, and that's kind of it. And Experts say that up to 70% of all conceptions are these chemical ones. So, 70% of the time, you wouldn't even notice. Uh, the egg gets fertilized. A couple of days later, it doesn't make it to its destination and that's it. And so, really, that's a, that's a hell of a lot. But you know, most of the time, crazy. you're never going to realize that that happens. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's never really considered technically pregnancy loss, is it? Because no. um, it's very different because most of the time, you don't even understand. don't even know what happened. But let's say he goes, Bang. Our show you, Alison. She she waves the magic stick yep. at you, and you, what do you do? You <laughs> got pretty excited. I was pretty nonchalant. Yeah, I <laughs> can <could> imagine that. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> it, was it wouldn't it? have even hit home. You probably would have smiled <laughs> no, and tried to. I was just,
1: it. I was, I don't know, it was, it's only hit headshot a bit, obviously. Bit of a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, for me, it definitely took a, it took a while to, to land in it which is probably it was probably the worst possible reaction when Alison was expecting fireworks and I was just, oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, God, I can so imagine that. But then you do it, you make your first appointment and good prenatal care is one of the most important ingredients to making a healthy baby, apparently. So, yeah, don't delay. Um, as soon as you get the result, get straight to the practitioner, schedule the appointment and um, get moving. That's right. I suppose to
1: to you as a, especially as a first timer, it's like the biggest thing that's ever happened to the doc. They're probably like, "Oh yeah, I see three of these every day," but so it's probably not as exciting mm. for them. Um, but it's still pretty exciting generally in that first uh, visit. You know, say you've done your your wee test, they'll probably book book you in to do the blood test to confirm everything. They'll kind of give you the general do's and don'ts. Uh, there's a bunch of things you're not sort of supposed to eat. There's a bunch of things you probably should do. Uh, they'll order a whole bunch of other tests for you to do. They'll give you a bit of an outline saying, you know, in this week you should be doing this, in this week you should be doing this. And generally they'll say, okay, well, we'll try and do a bit of math here and work out if this is when your last period was and this is probably when it happened and then this is probably when it's due. And it's normally around 40 weeks of cooking in there, you know, somewhere between 37 and 41, but they'll give you that rough date of about a 40-week pregnancy.
0: Yeah, nice one. Very interesting being a doctor, and they're all excited. And I was speaking to a midwife a few weeks ago. Same thing for them; they do it three times a day, and but for there's so much emotion on the other mm. end, and they're just nonchalant <laughs> when they've done fifty of them. That's right. But for the medical practitioner, you might want to be looking at a one that um, matches with what you want. So, are they a good listener? Are they equally responsive to both you and the partner? Are they? Is a sense of humor a bit important for you, a bit of fun, a bit of lightness? Can they listen to your emotional concerns as well as your physical ones? So just get a sort of feel out if they're pretty good or if they're an absolute dud you need to move on from.
1: Yeah, that's right. For our obstetrician, I read this book after testing her out, but I suppose we intuitively tested her out a little bit because you want to find one that kind of works. It's going to be, they're going to be there in the most how stressful part of your life how often how what's the well this is probably ties into one of these ones allison sees him at the moment every four weeks and then every two weeks and then eventually every week oh, so wow, you really? see him, you see him a hell of a lot but then their rule is because of covid apparently i'm not allowed to go to the appointments Even to... exactly what? <laughs> that was years ago wasn't it yeah but so i reckon that's a that's a bit of a sneaky one and then uh um, it's probably just easier. Just Dads are probably one. just a
0: pain. They're probably just useless in the room anyway. Oh, yeah. That's probably the more bigger reason.
1: I'd say so. I'd say so. But then there's also other things you want to work out. You know, If you want to do a water birth, what are their views on that? What are their views on breastfeeding versus formula feeding? What are their views on induction of labor? What are their views on all these you know, different types of routine testing that you want to do? Uh, do they take your emotional concerns as seriously as the physical ones? It's almost like a reverse job interview. Mm. Uh, it's obviously going to be pretty hard to find one that you like. We found a whole bunch that we didn't like. Um, yeah. A whole bunch of duds. A <laughs> bunch of duds. <laughs> there, was two, there was probably two duds before we landed on the winner.
0: Yeah. So the whole process really is once you get going, you got something in the oven, you say, hey, there's something cooking in there. And then from there, it's a bunch of tests. And one of the first ones is your first ultrasound around seven to eight week mark. And you know the optional of an internal ultrasound. And I can imagine this would be pretty weird, show You got a lot, what a little worm. Basically, just yeah. squealing around there. Yeah. Is it looking much more like a sperm a worm. or a human at this stage?
1: It's very much looking like an enlarged sperm, definitely. Yeah, just okay. like a little a bulb and a Big little tail shot. on it. <laughs> that's, and that's kind of, well, I think it was like uh, eight millimeters or something at that yeah,
0: point. Wow. Uh, oh, Jesus.
1: And uh, it's so small, man. And it had the, even like, and that, at that point, it's got the little heartbeats, so the little worms just like pulsing. Oh. So it's a very strange one. Uh, so you kind of find out, probably, you know, two weeks after conception when your period's due, I guess, is when you find out, and then a, a month or so after that is when you go for this little worm test and you see the little heartbeat and they measure and they say, yep, cool, it's, it's it's definitely there, everything's in the right spot. There's not a whole bunch they can do, really, at that point other than see that it's there. And the next one you've got is uh, an NIPT, Non-Invasive Prenatal Screening, which is basically a blood test. Uh, there's a f- whole bunch of things you can find out there. You can find out a bunch of... Uh, potential risks or abnormalities uh, a bunch of like chromosomal type diseases like you know down syndrome or things like that that i think there's three major ones that they kind of test for and then at that point if you want you can also find out uh, if it's a a boy or a girl
0: now 10 to 13 weeks is the ultrasound so the nt scan the neutral translucency screening test lets you know the risk uh, even further that they might have then the next level of ultrasound is is 10 weeks after that so the level two ultrasound while well, we're 18 to 22 weeks mm. the thing's been cooking a bit longer you're no longer a little worm <laughs> that's you're, right you're uh what size are you now show
1: uh, i think you're probably around uh almost like eggplant size at, at that oh, point wow. which is pretty large uh it's probably what a
0: thousand eggs, at least
1: a, oh i'd say much almost much more a million eggs. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, so basically that first that first one, that sort of 13-week scan is normally the the big one that uh, most people sort of wait for before telling people. That's kind of the end of your first trimester and that's when the risks beyond that point of things not going the way you planned generally drop significantly, which is a good thing. And then obviously that, that level uh, two ultrasound around the 20 weeks, that's when they test all the physical stuff. So they look, does it have two arms, two legs? Has it got two heads? I oh know one head. Uh, and they can even, it's kind of crazy from that point. They can see like the four chambers of the heart. They can see the blood flowing through different areas. They can see the kidneys. They can see the liver. They can see uh, all sorts of stuff that is just bizarre on something so small and uh, inside of you. You can see it all happening.
0: So, obviously, as the time goes on, you can have 100% certainty after 18 to 22 weeks on the um, baby's gender. I'm guessing right now you're going to see a little willy flopping around or a um, little vagina. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. You'd, uh, yeah, you either see something flapping in the breeze or nothing flapping in the breeze, I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, I guess that's the difference there to figure it out. But then you can figure out what the sex is um, and then throw the gender reveal party. Yeah,
1: that's right. That's right. Uh, if you want, you, a lot of people keep it a surprise as well until it pops out and then you find out at, on that day. Uh, one, One final sort of... Uh, optional type of testing is like genetic screening. You might worry if, uh, if you think back to uh, what high school maths, high school biology, sorry, where you've got uh, the Punnett squares and you've got the dominant, recessive genes, and you got to you kind of want to think, oh, does it have blue eyes or brown eyes? Mm. It's probably, it's probably more like, okay, is it, is it a chance of getting this potential disease? So think about it, there's like uh, 300 potential diseases that these tests can test for, and it's obviously only if both parents carry this as a recessive gene then there's kind of like a 25 percent chance that that's the one that pops out so mate, we did this test and I, we found out there was nothing the same like no crossovers so we're we're kind of in the clear but allison had four things i had two things i don't know if this is uh stuff uh, it does i don't even know what this is allison had a was a carrier of of uh 21 hydroxylase deficient congenital adrenal hyperplasia. Uh, Jesus, I was a carrier of WNT one zero A related. Jesus, <laughs>
0: like, so. your sound, your one sounds much much worse than that, uh,
1: <laughs> And then uh it was kind of weird because then we like through this, you pay for the test and then you have like a consult at the end, and then uh it was like a half an hour thing. And the woman was like, "Okay, so do you want to talk about these?" And she kind of explained each one, and she's like, "Do you have any questions?" And we're like, "Not really." Like we'd have questions if there was like crossover, but I don't care what WNT yeah, just is tell if me I don't what have it in it the kids. Or she just sort of, we just, kind of say, just told almost like she wanted us to ask more questions, but we're like, Well, we don't have it and the kids are not gonna have it, so we just know. move on. <laughs> yeah. It was a quick it was one of the quickest appointments she's ever ever had, I yeah, reckon. She's <laughs> cash in the bank there. <laughs> That's right.
0: All right. So up until this point, you you've you've had it brewing. Um, you got the initial details. You're speaking to the practitioners, and um, now we're going to talk a little bit about the things to sort of just make sure that the cooking period is is um as successful as possible because that other needs to be um, you could say optimally <laughs> optimally fine tuned for what the 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 cooking of the uh the the, the steak is. That's that's the right. lasagna. The bun, the bun. That's better.
1: There's a few obviously sort of risk profiles you know, that may increase risks of certain things. For example, one they say in the book is obesity in that most overweight moms, it's going to be completely safe pregnancies and completely health babies, but having a, a whole bunch of extra weight does increase the possibilities of certain complications like miscarriage, birth defects, stillbirth, preterm birth, high blood pressure, gestational diabetes. And then there's also kind of just the physical things of if you're very large and then you get pregnant and you become even larger, uh, it's just going to be very uncomfortable. Mm. it's kind of like the once you are there's going to be all those potential things for you like extra backache varicose veins swelling heartburn all these types of things but kind of once you're pregnant there's not a whole bunch you can do in fact you've got to eat more uh, yeah. during pregnancy because you not only have to feed yourself you need to feed this thing that's growing at a million X or whatever we said uh, so you can't think oh I'm pregnant now so I'm going to I'm going to lose weight it just doesn't really work like that you've got to get to your optimal weight and then once you're pregnant it's kind of that's it
0: that's it and the other end of the spectrum is um, also potentially not not ideal or well, for the most part it's fine but for, for some it's not ideal and that's being uh, too underweight. And um, if you're on the super skinny side, so say 18.5 BMI or less, you probably want to start filling up your plates a fair bit more, You know, probably before you have the kid and during the pregnancy as well because you because you want to be putting all that extra weight on top so you've actually got a healthy weight for during the childbirth.
1: Uh, this book was like basically written as like a FAQ q a and A style. You know, another question is, you know, I was diagnosed with depression a few years ago. I've been on antidepressants ever since. Now that I'm pregnant, should I stop the meds? That's basically ask your doctor. Most of the time, it's completely fine. In fact, in almost all circumstances, it's completely fine. But of course, just ask ask a doctor on that one.
0: Yeah, the bigger another big question that pops up all the time is around about age. Um, obviously. I'd say the well, not me, is objectively the average age of having kids is, is increasing as we go forward and people are um, you know, focusing on their professional lives a bit more before kids. And it is a big growing cohort of the population of who are having kids later and later.
1: And uh, it's not a major issue either. It's, as you say, everyone's doing it. I think uh, genetically, don't they say like the peak is like 16 years old or something, which is uh, obviously not a thing that most people these days are doing. And it's not all downhill. It's not like once you turn 35, once you turn 40, or even once you turn 45, it's not saying it's, it's all downhill. But there are increased risks. For example, one that they spell out is the risks of having Down syndrome. It's about 1 in 1,200 if you're 25 years old. It goes up a bit to 1 in 300 for 35-year-olds. It goes up to 1 in 35 for 45-year-olds. So it's not saying that, obviously, that's just all statistics and stuff. Uh, also, the age of the father... Uh, has a bit to do with that as well. And so it's just the, the risks increase the older you get.
0: And in addition, older mums, you're more likely to um, pop out twins, have an increased risk of miscarriage by a short amount. And the labour and delivery on average is going to be probably slightly longer and a little bit more complicated than it would be otherwise with the need for a C-section much higher for older mums as well.
1: So that's kind of the risk profiles going into it, uh, things you might need to think about. Then it's like, okay, well, what, what about your lifestyle? during it? Um, can you disinfect the bathroom or do you have to put the chemicals away? Can you have that pre-dinner cocktail or does it have to wait until after the delivery? What about picking up dog turds or cleaning the cat litter? Uh, what about all these things? And the, she answers all of these in the in the book now.
0: Yeah, that's it. So, firstly, working out. Actually, what she's saying is working out is not only a can-do, but it's something you should do. You should be going out there getting some pretty decent exercise as much as you possibly can, hey?
1: Yeah. You don't want to overdo it, but you kind of don't want to you don't want to, you know, exercise until you until you drop and that it's so painful. You also don't want to just sit around and do nothing. I think you just want to keep fit and healthy. You're about to go through some pretty serious action mm. uh in, you know, eight and a half months time that you wanna kinda of keep your strength up. That's it. Um there was a there's a funny Kirby enthusiasm episode uh about a woman on a treadmill who was pregnant, but yep. that's uh what happened? It was just funny. <laughs> she was fine. She was oh, working fine. really hard and Larry David was like, what the hell are you doing? It's You're putting some extreme, you know, you're bouncing that thing up and down, but it was fine.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go. Well, there's a lot. I think um, even in the ballet, there's uh, still a lot of pregnant mm. mums who are just still going pretty late. Like my um, uneducated brain thinks there's, yeah, like the curvy there's a baby just jumping up and <laughs> popping down, around, yeah. popping around and getting crushed <laughs> against the walls and all that, but it just doesn't work like that, does it?
1: I think they're pretty, yeah, they're pretty well tucked in, I guess. Pretty tucked in. Uh, Another question, you know, I drink coffee, it keeps me going all day. Do I have to give up caffeine altogether while I'm pregnant? Uh, She says you don't have to hand in the card altogether, but you probably need to, if you're going too hard, you probably need to cut it back. She says most evidence suggests that drinking up to about 200 milligrams of caffeine a day is perfectly safe. So basically you can have one coffee a day without issues. Again, I'm sure there's plenty of people that say, no, you shouldn't be doing it at all. Um, There's probably plenty of people that do more than one a day and everything turns out fine. That's just what the stats say. Mate, I saw one ad pop up on Facebook, actually, a new report. Drinking caffeine uh, during pregnancy can stunt your child's growth. I was I like, I wanted a tall one. I think it's <laughs> I was been on the on the one coffee a day. We could be in for a shorty, but I don't know. A little shorty. Yeah. Yeah, I d I don't know how uh, how they did that study though. I just read the headline. I didn't oh, read mate, I'm that. I'm sure
0: the caffeine industry will get out there and reverse that one. <laughs> I'll do some saying, new research. Oh, support. new
1: new research funded by uh Cafe has found that uh, they become giants. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'll tell you which one will be more popular once it goes out. The people who <laughs> like coffee will probably choose the one That's that right. Nest Cafe comes up with.
1: <laughs> That's right. Uh, another one is drinking. You know, someone says, oh, I've heard it's okay to it. having an occasional glass of wine with dinner when you're pregnant. Is that true? The author says there's no research to support that the occasional glass of alcohol is safe. So there's no research to say that it's safe. A whole bunch of people, the Surgeon General, the CDC, the ACOG, the AAP, don't know who they are, but they say that it's not safe and you shouldn't do it. I suppose a personal preference. If it was me, I probably wouldn't be drinking, but I know a few friends that do.
0: So uh, there you go. There you go. Smoking? You can imagine it's not a good one, and it isn't. I think back in the day, everyone was. I think I always had a bit of fumes going around my <laughs> um, my little tomb when I was getting cooked up. But I think it was pretty common back in the day. But these days, there's plenty of research to show it's just not good. Um, when you do it, the actual fetus is confined in a smoke-filled womb. So, somehow, the smoke... <laughs> <laughs> is it a metaphorical
1: smoke or actual smoke? Yeah. It just it goes in and you just it does. It smoke. just stays in the uh, gaseous
0: form, <laughs> even through the bloodstream, apparently.
1: But yeah, she says that there's no evidence that smoking before pregnancy is going to have any issues. But obviously, during pregnancy, you'll probably want to cut that back if you can, in fact cutting it all together, and that goes for the mums and the dads. Even if the dads say, oh, no, just smoke away, there's still all the things that come back with you. The uh, uh, Even though the smoke's not there, you still get a few chemicals on the breath. If you're giving them a little smooch at night, yeah. you're probably sending a bit of uh, cigarette Toxins their way,
0: man. I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm not a medical person, but I'll make the call. I reckon, like, don't you reckon vapes. You throw vapes in this yeah. attic. Vapes, uh, <laughs> like people just smoking vapes because the research just hasn't caught up to what Siggy's has right That's now. Right. But it can't be good when someone quits. And <laughs> sorry, for Shane, he's not listening, but he's he's on. He's just constantly he's on a vape because yeah. he quit smoking. And it's just turned into 24-7 exercise now. can't be good.
1: <laughs> can't be, can it? As you say, probably in 10 years we'll find out, oh yeah, vapes are probably no good, hey? Yeah. No, 100%. <laughs> man.
0: Next man, we've got um, microwave meals, so you foods and whatnot, which mm. I've got now. It's uh, pretty convenient, just get mm. the microwave meal out. I reckon there's a bit of research coming on this to say it's pretty shit. <laughs> up until this point, microwave away, mum, she says. Yeah. It's fine. Microwaves are cool.
1: Yeah, she says you probably don't want to... You know, putting Glad wrap on it and heating it up and melting it to the point where then you're basically consuming Glad wrap. But you, uh, yeah. if you've got like a microwave-safe BPA-free container, you're probably fine on the on the microwave front. The other one they say is the family cat. You know, there's toxoplasmosis. I remember hearing that on Joe Rogan about toxoplasmosis and uh, all that stuff. And basically, anyone who's got a cat's pretty much probably got it by now. So if you got a cat and you got toxo, well, that's what is it. it? You
0: got it. What actually is toxoplasmosis? Uh I said, that's I think not good.
1: No, I think it's like so. Cats give it to uh, mice, and then the mice, instead of being normally, they get repelled by the scent of cat piss, so they stay away from cats. Mm. They get sexually attracted to the smell of cat piss, so then they go towards a cat piss, and then the cat eats them. So, but, wait, are you saying
0: when you got toxo, you, you like cat piss or something? <laughs> no, no. I mean, what is it? Then it just it crosses <laughs> over to
1: humans. And I think it's like linked with like increased risk taking behavior, and there's probably some just bad shit floating around in you, but gotcha. not too bad that you're going to get eaten by a cat. Or anything like that. Yeah. Allison extended this one out. She said, Oh, I heard as well you're not meant to pick up dog poo. And I don't know if that's, I think that's horse shit. I don't know. But basically, <laughs> I've been picking up charlie's turds for six months and oh, i've got another three well months left Al. before she she did it well i was like, okay yeah, I well guess played so.
0: <laughs> and then that's when there's a baby out she'll she'll probably extend it as well oh, oh yeah you'll, she'll you'll like, go oh, I, um,
1: i've got to recover uh, you know so you've got to do another month oh i'm still breastfeeding so you've got to do another couple of months and then yeah. oh, she'll good. extend it out and then it'll be time for the next one and then i'll have to do another nine months and yeah i think i'm just picking up dog turds for the rest of my life yeah, now i think you've
0: uh, signed sealed and delivered <laughs> she also talks about um eating because not surprisingly, food is what goes into making the baby. It doesn't just come out of thin air. It's actually somehow the food translates into it. So eating excellent is is really important and, and improving the, the chances of a comfortable and healthy pregnancy.
1: There's probably, in terms of dieting stuff, it's kind of the obvious stuff that you should be doing for yourself anyway. You know, eat as much good stuff as you can, reduce all the bad stuff.
0: Pretty common of, sense, kind of, eh? So, <laughs> so is that lean protein... Calcium-rich foods, whole grains, fruit, veg, healthy fats, you know?
1: Sounds pretty normal, yeah. She just says a few things. Obviously, the leftovers I know is generally like you should kind of refrigerate as quickly as possible and then reheat it uh, to make sure you kill anything that's brewing and you probably eat it a day later. But if it's been sitting in the fridge for four days, you probably don't do not do that. Uh, if there's something frozen that's kind of was frozen, then it defrosts and then it refroze, probably... Stay away from that. There's a few things, uh, a few rules they probably recommend as well. Raw eggs, uh, don't eat runny eggs, don't eat raw fish. Uh, If you're cooking steaks, cook it pretty well. Alfalfa is a bad one, like sprouts that can have bacteria and stuff. There's basically uh, the risks there is around listeria, which I think the stats are like eight people in Australia get it every year or something. So it's
0: close to zero. Extremely, extremely
1: low. But the thing is, if you do get it whilst pregnant, because your immune system suppressed, it's, it can be very bad for you and the baby. So she says there's a few things you could probably cut out. Uh, deli meats, cold smoked fish, soft cheeses, unpasteurized milk, as I said, raw meat, raw eggs, uh, raw fish, unwashed vegetables, that type of stuff is, is, are things that you should probably avoid whilst pregnant. Again, I know a few friends have thought, oh, yeah, I'll get rid of the, the ham for it. And then a few months later, they're like, oh, it should be all right. But oh, you find again, that research again. Yeah, that's Ham's right. Fine. The ham industry uh, who that from? put out a study. From, um, <laughs> who, who makes don't ham? Don. Don. Is Don's Don just food?
0: hot dogs, just a pregnant lady eating a hot, smacking down a hot dog. Soaking up with that research.
1: Yeah, again, it's probably a uh, uh, personal preference there. But again, the, the research is probably steer, steer clear for a couple of months of that sort of stuff.
0: So the book's a beast, man. It's a huge one, isn't it? we've just, it's just scratched, a large book it's a large book we've just scratched the surface um, but probably a good one right like if you i think just having that confidence and understanding of everything that's going on can only help and just give make the whole thing less stressful that's right? right
1: we went through like the first three chapters is like 30 plus chapters they go through month by month you know what happens in the first month what happens in the i think even week by week they probably go through this is what you can expect you know this this is the week where you your nips get bigger and get sore and like all those types of things and it's probably a good one to if you're interested to read week by week or month by month as you've gone through it it's a good one to get as you say just get a general understanding of there's this one what to expect when you're expecting there's an aussie one up the duff uh which allison preferred uh it's just i don't know there's just a hell of a lot of info it's probably just good to have a little bit stored in the back of the brain there for when the time comes that's it <laughs>